Welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life, but open to all to enjoy and share. My name is Natalina, the founder of Rise Up For You. Through interviews with various experts and professionals on relationships, investing, self-worth, entrepreneurship, love, and health, this podcast is committed to empowering and spreading knowledge and motivation to all. Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hello, everyone. This is Netalina, the CEO and the host of Rise Up For You. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast episode. I want to start the episode off by saying thank you, first off, for showing up and listening to the Rise Up For You podcast. One of the most difficult parts of building your success is actually showing up. That can be showing up to an event, showing up to consistently you know, create knowledge within yourself, to listen to a podcast, to read, just showing up in life. So thank you. Today we have an awesome interview. We are going to be talking with Becky Olson. She's going to talk with us about how to redefine your purpose and ensure that you are really walking through life, doing what you love to do and breaking that habit of being that working machine that so many of us get enthralled in throughout life. Becky is a co-founder of Breast Friends, an organ-based organization dedicated to helping women survive the trauma of cancer. She's also the author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Becky has received a number of awards for her work, including the Toastmasters International Communication and Leadership Award, the Susan G. Komen BMW North America Local Hero Award, and the 2009 National Pink Power Mom by Bright Stars. She is an incredible woman, and today we are going to be talking about, you know, kind of the epiphany and the aha moment that she had that helped her jump from her corporate career into building an organization that provided purpose and really helped her redefine what her priorities were in life and what makes her happy today. She's going to give us some great tips on for those of you that are, you know, struggling, feeling stuck at work and not sure if what you're doing really adds to you. She's going to give you some great tips on how to find your purpose and to make sure that you are aligned with what you're doing. Rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Becky, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor to have you on the show. I always like to start off the show by letting the audience get to know our guests. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? I'd be happy to, and thanks for having me on. Um, I have been in corporate, I was in corporate America for many, many years, and I, about 15 years ago or so, I stopped doing that because it was just making me crazy. And um, I ended up leaving that job because of the stress and, you know, all of that. And then I ended up uh, working with, with my nonprofit that I had started back in 2000. And now I do that most of the time. And then the other time I also am a professional speaker. And I've really taken some of my, my things that I've learned along the way and I share those at events around the country. And um, so I really finally have figured out what it is I'm supposed to do with my life and walked away from corporate America so I could do that. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I live in Oregon. I've got a husband, five kids and four grandkids, and none of them live at home anymore, but they're also a big part of my life and a part of my joy. So um, that, that's kind of it in a very, very small little nutshell. Okay, so t- talk to us a little bit more about, um, I guess, the corporate jump. So you were, you were working in corporate America. Mm-hmm. 
and you just it just became overwhelming to shred. I've also come from the corporate world, so I understand yeah. exactly um, what you're saying here. But what was that? I guess that turning point for you was it just too much after a while? You didn't have enough happy happy time. You just became too stressed, or you weren't finding purpose. What was that aha moment that said, you know what? It's time for me to to leave this world and kind of create something of my own. You know, it was actually quite a big aha moment because until this moment happened, I was finding joy in the job. I was there working 14 to 16 hours every day. I was in a sales job with um, with Yellow Pages. And, you know, there's always deadlines, always quotas on some book. And so I was spending a lot of hours working there because I was the main support for my family as well. And so you end up spending a lot more time doing those kinds of things than what you really, you know, think you're going to do. And then my turning moment, honestly, was I went in for a routine mammogram one morning and I found out that I had advanced stage breast cancer. My doctor gave me a 60% chance to live past five years, which meant I had a 40% chance that I was going to die in five years. And, you know, honestly, Netta, there comes a point in our lives when we start to realize, and I think oftentimes it is that that death sentence kind of thing that happens or that traumatic moment where, you know, you lose a loved one or something happens that makes you realize that where you are spending all your time and energy, what difference does that make? You know, it was putting money in my bank account. It was helping me pay for the house and feed the kids and all of those things. But, you know, they were young and they didn't care about all that. They just wanted to know where mom was. So this, this breast cancer diagnosis, which again was very advanced stage, um, kind of shook me to the core, you know, and I, I was able because of my um, disability, our short-term disability program I had at work, I was able to take some time off from work to go through my treatment. And while I was home, I actually got to know my kids again. And, you know, I love them so much. And I thought I was doing the right thing by you know, working so hard to take care of them. But what I was really missing was them. And being home with them for six months that I was able to do while I was going through treatment, I got to know them. And I realized I've got a really cool family, you know. And when I finally did have to go back to work, I made a decision that um, I was only going to work for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. Forget this 14 to 16 hour nonsense. I didn't have to be at the top of the sales chart. I just had to be somewhere in the middle. I just had to not be at the bottom because at the bottom you could lose your job. So I had to find a way to come to terms with being okay being in this in the middle. I'm I've always been a very competitive person and you know that, but realizing that that's was driving me, you know, and it and I'd lost touch of what really mattered. And the last thing I wanted was to be laying on my deathbed and have somebody say, wow, the one thing you can say about Becky is she didn't work quite hard enough. You know, because <laughs> no matter what you do in that kind of a stressful environment, it's never enough. Right. And what I wanted was for my kids to know me and actually miss me if I was gone. And, you know, I know that sounds maybe a little weird, and you know, um, but it's the truth. You know, my I wanted to be suddenly I realized what I wanted to be remembered as, you know, whenever that was at my funeral. I wanted to be remembered as a good mom, but I had to be one first and I had to get my kids to know me. And I knew they loved me and they were so compassionate and wonderful during that time. But it's funny how things change. So it was my breast cancer diagnosis, but it still took me another nine years because eight years after my 
first diagnosis, I actually got diagnosed again on the other side, and I was still on that job, and the eight to 10 hours was kind of had been starting to suck me back in, and I was back up to working very many long hours again, and I always kind of joke because, um, you know, I think God has a purpose for all of us, and I kind of picture him sitting on his throne, looking down at me, and smiling when I almost got it right the first time. And then I started to get sucked back in. And so there was this, I picture him going, hmm, she almost got it. Let's let's try this again. And so he allowed me to go through it a second time. And the second time was even a, a lesser chance of survival than the first time. And then I, I really, then I became determined to leave my job. Still took me another year after that, but um, had to get a few things in a row, you know, get all my kind of ducks in a row, as they say. But I did end up leaving one day much faster than I than I meant to. Excuse me. Um, I left much faster than I meant to because I came to work one day and there was a message from my boss on my email that pretty much kind of put me over the edge. And I had this vision of going into his office and just quitting that day. And I kind of waited for it to see if that feeling would pass, and it didn't. In fact, it just built throughout the day. So finally, about 1 o'clock, I called HR and told them what I was going to do, told them what had happened. So they gave me some um, really good guidance on how to make the most of my resignation. (laughs) And about an hour later, I went into my boss's office, and I quit. And I called my husband that day, and I said, well, honey, guess what I just did? And he said, what? And I said, I quit my job. And he said, it's about time. Hmm. Now, now, the reason that's significant is because he was not working at the time. And he'd been, you know, doing off and on contract work, actually, for most of our marriage. And he was between contracts, really didn't have anything on the horizon. So that was a big, scary move. Right. But but I knew it was time to go because I was waking up with a knot in my gut every morning. I went to work with a knot in my gut. I came home with a knot in my gut. I went to bed with that same knot. And then I'd wake up and it was still there and I'd have to do it all over again. Well, the morning after I left, um, I actually went to bed that night with a smile on my face and I woke up and there was no knot. And I knew, even though there was no job on the horizon for either one of us, I knew that that was where I needed to be. And so I've never looked back and it's been a huge, huge change for me. And a lot of good things have come from it. You know, it's interesting because... It really does take a pivotal moment in your life to realize that, okay, what what is the priority of life? And I think that so many times as a society, and we're all guilty of it at some point in our life, whether it's, you know, the entirety of our life or halfway through our life, that we really become machines. We become machines. We go to work. We work all day. We stress about our work. And then we come home, and we really only have maybe like two hours a day you know, spending time with our family and really focusing on the things that do make life, your purpose, love, you know, kindness, being around people that, you know, make you happy. We spend the other amount of our time really, like I said, working as a machine and oftentimes in fields that we're not too excited about. So, you know, what do you think as a society, why why do you think we do that to ourselves? I mean, I know that's such a bold question, but why are we in that mindset of this is this is just what I have to do? This is a routine. I do this every day on and off. And it's not until something kind of smacks us in the face that we say, oh, let me get realigned into what the real purpose of life is. 
You know, I think that's a really valid question. And I think, honestly, from my perspective, a lot of it comes down to pressures from society. I mean, the American dream is to own a house. Well, to own a house, you have to have a good enough job so you can get a loan. And, and then we start accumulating things, you know, as, a, as married couples or whatever, we bring in two cars and we have all this stuff we have to start to collect because that's what we're expected to do. And we get bombarded with credit cards. And, and then the more stuff you have, the bigger space you need to house it all. And the bigger space you have, the, more jo- the bigger job you have to have. Well, big jobs that pay well don't come easily. You have to work really hard. And then we get sucked into this. And then we get to a point where we feel like we can't leave. Because how can we replace that income in a job that's going to be less stressful? Well, you can't. Those kind of jobs come with stress. They just do. And we, but we get ourselves worked into it because of all this stuff that we collect. And that's my opinion. And so once you start to go through this change because you have some trauma in your life or something, you start to realize that the stuff isn't as important as you once thought it was. And I think when you can push the stuff away and start realizing that, you know, you can't take any of it with you. And when you face a, a, a physical, like an ailment like I had with breast cancer, and I've actually been through it three times now, and technically I shouldn't still be here, but I am. And But you start to realize that the stuff, I can't take any of it with me. See, we, my husband's been giving away some of his guitars and things to the kids because he knows he can't take it either and he'd rather give them to him now. So we're looking at ways to kind of start doing some of that because it's it doesn't matter as much. But sometimes it takes that life-threatening circumstance to help you understand and realize that it doesn't matter. Right. Those things don't matter. And that's I think that's when the big change happens. So, you know, at least for me, <laughs> that right. was a big part of it. Yeah, sure. absolutely. So you, you left your, your job, and now you've embarked on this incredible um, nonprofit organization. Tell us a little bit more about what you led into. Well, we actually started, I have a friend named Sharon, her name is Sharon Hennepin, and she and I were both cancer survivors about three years apart. She went through it first, and we were both at work. We both, you know, we knew each other through our jobs, our corporate job. And when she went through cancer, she was the very first one in our circle to go through it. None of us had a clue how to help her. We would say things, myself included. I said to her, Sharon, if there's anything I can do, please let me know. And I meant it. But I really didn't know what to do because, I mean, we were in our 40s. I didn't know anybody that had gone through breast cancer and just didn't really have a clue. So um, she ended up, she said, yeah, thank you, I'll let you know. And she never did, so I thought she was okay. And I found out much later that, no, she was not. Um, I went through it three years later, and then she knew, because she'd been through it, that it asking me if I to tell her what I need isn't going to work. <laughs> you know. Right. So we kind of, we came to to this conclusion about four years after my diagnosis that there was some work that needed to be done in this arena. And so we decided over lunch one day we were going to start a nonprofit. And we even came up with the name. It's Breast Friends. And we wanted, our original goal was to teach friends and family how to support their loved ones through a journey and use our nonprofit as a way to get that message out. And that's where we started, but over a very, it didn't take us long to figure out that not everyone who goes through cancer has friends or family. A lot of them are alone for whatever reason, new in town when they got diagnosed, who knows, but they don't have that support system or people that they feel they can reach out to. So we ended up providing one-on-one support services to the patient as well. Um, We're headquartered in Oregon, but we now have affiliates in Pennsylvania and Florida as well. 
And, um, and we've been providing all kinds of different programs, retreats, workshops, uh, material products like breast prosthetics and things. And everything we offer is available free. And we rely on donations and, you know, sponsor support and stuff like that to pay for it all. But it's been going well. And, um, and that is part of my legacy now that I don't care about how many Yellow Page ads I sold, <laughs> but I do care about how many breast cancer patients that we've supported, you know, through our journey. And it's been thousands at this point because we've been, we've been doing this for 16 years now. Wow. So it's been, it's been pretty, pretty exciting. And then also in this same time frame, one of the things that I always wanted to do was be a professional speaker. I can't even tell you when that dream first started. And initially, I started with Toastmasters and doing all the stuff that a lot of people who want to be speakers do. And my first thought was that I would go into corporate sales and I would teach people how to be better salespeople because I was pretty good at it. But no doors would op- open for me in that arena at all. I think there's just a million people in that, you know, in that field, and it's just hard to get your foot in that door. But as soon as I got breast cancer, it's like, huh, now I have a topic. You know, <laughs> at advanced stage breast cancer, I survived it, and I came out better and stronger on the other side. There's a message in that. And then I've been diagnosed three times now. Um, I've been able to kind of expand on that message a bit. And so I travel all over the country and I speak um, during various cancer events and whatnot. And, um, and now I have a new topic that I'm focusing on. So not working in that corporate job has given me so much more freedom and opportunity to do the things that I know I'm supposed to be doing. And, and so that, yeah, so it, that's kind of where it's all all led to, you know, different areas of my life. And I think it's amazing what you're doing. First off, I just went through and I'm still going through this, um, my mother who has cancer and mm-hmm. you really don't know how important a support system is until you're in it. And Correct. so now I can honestly say that a year ago I would have supported and loved what you're doing, but now it, there's just a whole new appreciation for your nonprofit that you've actually gone through it. Right. And, and, right. and it, it really is, um, Really, you do need a lot of support for the, for, you know, for the person that is going through the cancer and for the family. There's just so many different entities that go with it. So first off, yeah. thank you for your nonprofit. And it's a need. What you're doing is amazing. Thank um, you. You know, I want to dive into a little bit about, you know, really finding your purpose and, and understanding, I guess, what's important. Is it important to have your purpose? Is it important to, you know, make a ton of money? And I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, but... There are there is a chunk of people that are out there that are, know that they're meant to do something more. They uh-huh. know that there's a bigger purpose behind what what they are meant to do here on this planet, but they can't seem to I guess step away from the check that they have. Not to say that they're not going to make money fulfilling their own purpose, but just that stable income that's really scary. So they continue to kind of push their purpose aside. And I know uh-huh. that you've been able to you're you're doing what you love to do. You're fulfilling your purpose. You you know, you're speaking, you're a motivational speaker, you run this nonprofit, and I don't know if you're, you know, have the same luxury that you had when you're a corporate executive, but I'm sure Sure that you do in other ways. I do. And, you know, again, I don't make as much money as I used to, but that that's beside the point because money is not the main, when you're looking for your purpose, money is not generally involved unless it is what you need in order to fulfill your purpose. And I, and I say that not lightly. Um, I, you know, I've developed a new talk. It's called five steps to unleashing your superpower. 
And your superpower is what happens when you combine a couple of really important components of your life. And I I can go through all five with you quickly if you want me to. Yeah, of course. Um, Okay, so step one is to find and discover your legacy. And again, kind of going back to what I did in the very beginning is how do I want to be remembered when I die? Well, it wasn't that she sold a lot of yellow pages. What I wanted to be remembered was to to be a good mom. And that means I have to do the things that good moms do. And so I encourage people to find something that is personal and something that is professional, that how you want to be remembered when you die. So for me, personal was, was being a good mom and professional was to create something that I could be proud of. And that's breast friends and my speaking. And so that's, that's kind of the, the legacy piece of it. So that's step one. Step two, make a list of all the things that you're really gifted at. That come things that come naturally to you that don't other people have to work really really hard to do and if making money comes naturally to you awesome that's one of your gifts write it down the ability to make money from nothing now some people have to work 16 hours a day like I did to make a good living that's not worth it that's not a gift a, a gift doesn't doesn't you don't have to work that hard if it's truly a gift so for me my gift was the ability to stand up in front of an, an audience and the biggest audience I've spoken in front of is 1,200. And I've done that a couple times and I love it. My goal is to speak in front of 5,000. I would love to do that. And, but to be able to stand up in front of an audience and speak without fainting. <laughs> you know, some people say they'd rather die than, right. than speak. Well, not me. I'm kind of the other way around. I, I thrive on it and I love it and it's fun for me to do that. So that's, that's a gift. And those are some, you know, you look at the things that come naturally. For some people, it's being a good hostess. It's music. It's art. It's whatever you can do that people say, wow, you're so good at whatever. Make those, that list of those things. Step three is to write a list of things that you care about. You know, what issues. If you were, if you were elected, if your spouse was elected first man or lady of the, you know, president, and you become, became the first lady or the first man, which we might have this year, um, they are given a budget and unlimited resources to present a cause and to work with a cause. For Michelle Obama, it was childhood obesity. They all have a cause. If you were the first lady or man of the United States and you were given those resources and so money was not an object, what would your cause be? What do you care about? So make that list of those things. And then step four is to look at your your gifts and add them to your passions and see what makes sense. So for example, if one of your gifts is photography, you're really great at it. And one of the things you care about is homeless, then maybe look at doing photojournalism or coffee table books or something where you're using your photography to, to raise awareness about the homeless issue, take photos, you know, so it's, that's a simple example, but putting the two together, that's your purpose. God gives you these gifts and he gives you the heart for things and you're supposed to put them together. And, and that's one way that you can determine what your purpose in life is. And then your superpower is when you take your, keep your focus on your legacy and you use your purpose and you do those together and make sure that your purpose is now feeding your legacy. And when you focus on those two things, that's your superpower. You become unstoppable at that point. Wow, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us, Becky. Um, 
it's important for us to hear those steps, right? A lot of people don't even know where to start. So they don't. That's inc- they don't. Yeah, that's incredible that you were able to list that for us. So Thank what's you. what's um I guess what's in the future for you and what you're doing? I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, the progression and, and um yes. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you my for my speaking part of my what I want to do, you know, I've been really focused for the last thirteen years in the cancer arena. You know, I speak at a lot of cancer events. Um, I speak at medical conferences and I teach compassionate care for oncologists so that they can learn from a survivor's perspective what that means. So I've been kind of focused in that arena and I love that work and I and I really want to keep doing that work. But most of that seems to be in October, you know, when it's right. Breast Cancer Awareness Month. The problem is there's 11 more months and I really would like to speak on some other things. So um, my super my superhero speech, you know, what's your superpower? That's one that I've been developing and I've been doing that at various events, you know, women's conferences, leadership workshops, that kind of thing. So I really want to spend more time there. Um, I'm 63 years old and I think in um, when I'm 66, so I got two and a half years. I would like to be fully retired from Breast Friends and have it completely thrive on its own without me. I just want to show up at events and say hello. <laughs> Incredible. Know? Yep, yep. Yeah, and we've got some great people that work with us. And so I'm I'm very carefully trying to pass the baton in various arenas. It's hard though, it's my baby. It's hard and I'm not the I'm not the only founder, Sharon, as well, but it's kind of our baby and it's hard to let go of that baton sometimes. But in order for me to retire, I really need to do that. But then I want to use that time to really focus on my um, speaking at, at other events. And I'd like to do some more international travel. And maybe if I can speak at events in Italy, that would make my heart happy too. <laughs> my kids come visit while I'm over there. Um, so yeah, there's just, you know, there's so much more that we can do with our lives and make such an impact with people. And the best way for me to share my message is Instead of one-on-one, you know, which is fine. One-on-one is good. But if I can get my message out to thousands at a time, even better. And so that's why more radio interviews, um, more speaking opportunities in large stages, um, and really talk to people about leaving what they don't like and doing what they like. And it, there isn't, there, there's definitely a process that you have to go through. You know, like you said earlier, Netta, people sometimes know they really need to do this, but they're afraid to because of the job security. Well, my, my job was providing an income for seven people in our family, our house, our food. It paid for all the health insurance. And I, and here I'd already had breast cancer twice and I'm walking away from a job with health insurance and I can't really get it on my own because I've had breast cancer twice. I can now with Obamacare, but, um, the thing is, is, because I stepped out in faith and I did it in faith, I think God really honored that. And my husband found a job, a permanent job within three months of my leaving this job. He ended up with the exact same health insurance I walked away from. So there was no break in coverage. I just had to keep Cobra for a while. You know how you do. Right. Um, but I was able to keep the same doctors because it was the same health insurance plan, same, you know, physicians on the plan. So I didn't have to change anything, but I rolled onto his insurance at his company. And so it, all of that stuff was taken care of for me, even, even that. And, and again, I did it in faith. And um, I think sometimes that's just what you kind of have to do, you know, just step out in faith and know that things will fall into place. Now, I, I do want to go on record saying I'm not telling people to quit their jobs right. by any means. Of course. You know? <laughs> because of course. we have to pay the bills. But if you're not finding the purpose and the joy in your job, 
then try to find it in other ways, like with hobbies or volunteer your time and, and find other ways to do little bits here and there of something. And when you find something that really feels good and feels like it's fitting, start to increase there and start to decrease here, you know, Absolutely. until eventually it becomes something more substantial. So maybe it's, you take baby steps. I do believe very much in vis- visual, I can't say the word, but visualization. Yes. <laughs> I believe very much in that. You know, you get up in the morning and picture yourself doing certain things. And I mean, picture it in great detail to the point where you can get emotional about it. And you do that every day. And pretty soon you start to feel like you're already in that role. And and it changes kind of behaviors and things and changes the way you see and feel about yourself. There's there's so much we can do, you know, to prepare ourselves to, to go there. And um, thank you for making that disclaimer, because <laughs> we want to make sure that people build those, you know, small yeah. baby steps and stepping stones before, you know, We talk about this all the time. You know, there are some people that just quit, but there's no plan in mind. And now they, you know, they go for months with really no source of income and and peddling the water. They don't even know where to go or what to do. So I really think it's important, as you mentioned, build those baby steps, kind of make your way out. And then once you feel great about, you know, your purpose and what you're about to do and you have a plan, you know, make your move. Yeah. And, you know, we did that with Breast Friends and we started it excuse me, well, in 2000, I didn't leave my job until 2005. I think I said 15 years, but that's that wasn't true. I left my job in 2005. But for five years, we were building the groundwork for Breast Friends. We didn't know what was it was going to do yet. We hadn't gone full time. But finally being able to quit the job and then focus, that's when we started to see tremendous growth in Breast right, Friends. Right. And, but we had the kind of the ball in motion because we knew we wanted to do something more you know, with our lives. But it was just very, very part-time until until we could really make the break. And, and at least I had a something to go to. It didn't provide income yet, but it was something to go to and to focus on. And, you know, and then by doing that, we were able to focus on sponsors and, and people that could help support us. And then we were able to draw a small salary. And, you know, so it just, it is a process, definitely. But the key is to start looking and start figuring out what it is that you're really supposed to do. And then once you see what it is right in front of you, you start, you start, let me rephrase that. Once you see what it is, you, you might notice it right in front of you where you might have missed it before because you didn't know. And once you are become aware of what you're supposed to be doing because you've gone through that five-step process, um, suddenly you're going to realize, wow, that's what I'm supposed to do. And you're going to, it's kind of like when you go, go out to buy a car. You start thinking about buying a certain kind of car, and all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. You know, you become tuned into it, and so you start to see opportunities everywhere where you completely shut them out before. So it's it's that awareness factor is, is a big chunk of this. 100%. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Becky, thank you so much for joining us. I'd like to jump into the power section okay. um, of our interview. Can you tell us one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on your life? Well, I would love to tell you that I've got this whole shelf full of books like that that I've read in great detail, but I I really haven't because my, my first choice of reading is for entertainment and escape because sometimes we need to do that. But if I had to tell you that there was a book that I would rely on for certain things, and it would be the Bible, and I am not an avid Bible reader. My husband is, so I usually ask him. Um, but it's the Bible has so much great information and so much great support and and teachings for life and life decisions. And it's a really great tool, you know, for that. So that's, 
that's where I would, that would be the book I would probably choose if I had to pick one. Okay, thank you. And what's one thing that you've accomplished that you're proud of thus far? Well, besides my family, got all my kids through college. That was pretty awesome. Um, you know, I did write a book and I, and I published it, which was kind of cool. Cause I really think that a lot of people have a book in them, but they don't ever sit down to write it. And, um, so I, I can offer you some tips on, you know how you write a book one paragraph at a time, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you don't sit down to write a book cause you probably never do it. But if you write a paragraph on something, you know, um, pretty soon you have enough paragraphs, you've got a book. Um, so that, and then of course, starting breast friends, I'm very proud of that endeavor. Okay. And Becky, do you have any routines that um, have helped you get a positive rise in your life? Maybe something that you do every morning or a weekly routine? You know what? The one thing I did in December and I really needed something to kind of calm me because I'm kind of hyper sometimes and I get kind of high strung on things. I got a dog and and I sleep with him because he's little and he and I take him out for a walk in the morning and he just and I hold him and he just I, I just feel this peace and calm come over me and when I can get peaceful I can focus and so get for me getting a dog because that's what that's what he's just meant to me in fact he's here at my office today um he's he's wonderful so you know, I, I needed that because otherwise I can go all over the place. So wonderful. he's brought some routine. Wonderful. I love that. And is there anything we didn't get a chance to talk about, Becky, that you want to say or share with the audience? Um, you know, I just, I guess just kind of going back to, we, we kind of already shared it, but just going back to, you know, do what you love. Find a way to do what you love that brings joy to your life every day in some small way. even if it's not something major. And remember, sometimes it's not the big things that we do that make a difference. I love the quote from Mother Teresa. She says, it's not that we do great things. It's that we do small things with great love. And when you can do even small things and you try to make do one nice thing for one person today, even if it's a small little thing, you'll feel better about it. And it's those small things that bring joy to our lives. So find a way to do something small for somebody every day. Thank you. It just makes a difference. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. Becky, how do we stay connected and how do we support you? Um, I have a Facebook page. It's Becky Olson Speaks. If people would go to my Facebook page and like my page, that would be great. I do um, a monthly newsletter that also appears on my Facebook page. Um, And my newsletter, in fact, the one I sent out today is called um, How Do You Know When It's Time for a Change? Oh, I love that. And I've done that. And then, excuse me, last, last month I did the... Uh, I did one on inmates and supporting inmates in the prison, and I've done them on, on my super superhero superpower <laughs> program. Wonderful. So, um, so that's two ways they can do it. My website is beckyolson.com. They can sign up for my newsletter through there. Um, but that's kind of it. And also, if you are a breast cancer survivor or ovarian, we actually work with all cancers, reach out to us through breastfriends.org and let us know what you're going through. And if we can help you, we are happy to do so. So that those are the ways. Becky, thank you again so much for your time. It was an honor to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that episode. If you're wanting more strategy, tips, and information, please head over to riseupforyou.com and sign up for our emailing list. We have a special jumpstart guide that gives you the first few steps to building your professional and personal life. Rise Up For You is all about getting to the next step and never allowing yourself to settle. 
So again, please head over to riseupyou.com, join our network, and rise up in both your professional and personal life. Thank you again for joining. Rise Up For You. Be better today than yesterday and prepare for a greater tomorrow.